Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions, visit us on the web, www.theporchchurch.tv. thinking. This is getting out of hand, right? So uh, online, we'll share with you. Somebody complained last week because I couldn't see the shirt. Uh, Nobody in my staff has fessed up to buying me these shirts. These shirts are just showing up at my house, and uh, this happens to be Justin Timberlake's face made up of all his individual songs and hits, and uh, there's two weeks left, and the shirts aren't getting better, and I'm, I'm nervous about that. Uh, so we've been talking about being in sync with God, and my staff lovingly pointed out that every time I said keeping in sync with God, what popped into their head was, well, what you saw on the screen. So we've been trying to have some fun with that, and uh, I, I wasn't going to tell this story today, but it's too perfect after that video. So um, Melissa and I started dating. Uh, we started working together at a science discovery center. At this science discovery center, there's what's called a cynodome. It's like a movie theater with like a domed screen, like a cheap IMAX kind of thing. Uh, we were in South Dakota, so IMAXs were just way too cutting edge. So this is called a cynodome, right? So you sit back, you'd recline, the screen is kind of up in front of you, and so the in uh, sync, no strings attached tour was something that we would literally play every Friday and Saturday night for a couple hours. So we started dating, and it was our job to, to watch that for like 45 minutes, which culminated in one of our friends at the back of the theater, there's like two like, um, like nursery booth things, right? So like you're, you're sitting back in the nursery booth, and, uh, and there's like windows that you can see out to the screen, and there's, uh, it's in sync, right? So there's some, uh, there's some fairly animated dance moves with sync. Are you with me? And so there's one song that literally goes, this is church, right? So I don't want to get notes about this, but it talks about booty shaking all night long. I know, sinful lyrics, right? And so our friend at the time was in the theater and he decided to be dancing the entire song, which culminated him smacking his butt in front of a window where there happened to be a family trying to view it. The family, thankfully, let it go on just long enough and then excused themselves from the room to go, excuse me, we're, we're behind you trying to watch the show. It was awesome. So, InSync holds a special place in our hearts and in our stories, and uh, I literally have no connection for that story. Maybe it'll come up. But what we've been talking about is our connection staying in sync with God, and so I want to draw your attention maybe to the icons that are across the bottom of the slides here. They're also, I think, on the bottom of your worship folder, because I'm kind of using those to tell a story, and I don't know that I've done the best job with that. So week one, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is like Wi-Fi, right? He's, He's our connection with God. He empowers us to be 
connected to the kingdom and the reign and the rule of God. And if you remember back to that, we just kind of tried to focus on one verse and tell the story around this great verse in 1 Corinthians 4.20. It says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And that power comes from the Holy Spirit, much like your connection to God to the internet comes from Wi-Fi signal. Then last week we talked about no signal, right? What happens when we're missing that connection with God? It may be that there's a broken screen, right? That there may be sin in our life. It may be that our battery is dead and it's just time for a recharge. Or it may be that you don't even have a cell phone because you've never had a real life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never received His Holy Spirit. And so that's kind of that second icon where there's a, there's a disconnect. The icon this week is simply the play button. And so I want to just do kind of what I tried to do a couple weeks ago. I really just want to zoom in on one verse, kind of unpack it, tell the stories around it, and see if it can't be uh, something that maybe we can carry with us throughout the week. It's small enough that I, that I hope you'll be able to remember it as you go throughout the week, and uh, it's been powerful for me, and I hope it'll be powerful for us today. So on that note, we're going to flip to uh, Galatians 5.25. If you want to follow along in the Worship Center Bibles, I encourage you just to slip your hand up. Our ushers are coming around with Bibles. We're going to be on page 548, 548, if you'd like to borrow one. Of course, all our verses will be up on the screen as well. If you don't own a Bible, please just keep this. It's our gift to you. We just want you to have God's Word in your life. And I just want us to kind of talk and walk through a, a simple verse, one that isn't overly complicated and yet I think has a lot to offer us in our day-to-day -day walk with God. So here it is, Galatians 5.25. And the NIV says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. So let's just walk that backwards a little bit. Since we live by the Spirit, how many of you live with that knowledge? And let me, let me ask a fairer question because right? we're in church. You're going to be like, yeah, I get that. Um, and that's not what I'm going for here, right? But what keeps you alive? Right? Food. What else keeps you alive? Air, right? With no air, it's going to be a bad day for you. What else? Right? These are all the things that we view as essential to life. But in Galatians, it says, since we live by the Spirit. The, the correlation there is that to the same degree that, that we function with those things as mechanics for the life of our bodies, Paul is attempting to convey to us the significance of the Holy Spirit's role in our life. And I don't even want to relegate that to our spiritual life. I think that Paul would say that because we're human beings with a soul, that it's actually deeper than that. Just like we need food, just like we need water, we need this spiritual connection connection. We were created for it. You've heard the conversation around that, that God-shaped hole in our hearts. Since we live by the Spirit, John chapter 6 verse 63 says it similarly. He says, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And this is Jesus speaking, and he says, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and 
life. This is why Jesus' words ring true over 2,000 years later. It's probably why you value a time like this, whether this is your home church, whether you're looking for a local church expression, is because at some level, the words that Jesus speaks, the relationship that you have with God, conveys some measure of life that, that really can't be found anywhere else. And so Paul exhorts us, since we live by the Spirit, since we draw our life, our significance, our perspective, since just like food and water and air, we need the Spirit to give us life, which then leads us into kind of this conversation today. How does that play out in our life? What does it look like that just like we need to eat three meals a day, just like we need to breathe every second, just like we need a certain amount of water to sustain us and grow us and keep us healthy and our bodily systems functioning, what does it look like to have the Spirit be our life? What would it be like if we depended on God in that capacity? Because I don't know about you, but when I don't eat, I, I, get, I get hungry, right? When I don't, when I don't drink, I get Y'all are awake out there. I'm so happy, right? There's this, but when the Spirit isn't present, I, I, really, I really don't feel like my life's potentially ending, right? I kind of just go on until I get to maybe Sunday or I get to maybe being back after vacation and going, man, this summer's been long. We haven't been back to church and just going, man, I feel like my soul might be withering a bit, but it doesn't quite feel like those physical attributes, which is why I think it's so important for us to draw our attention to, if we want to be in sync with God, if we want to be in step with His Spirit, we have to first start with this truth that our life comes from our connection with the Spirit, that the Spirit gives life. The word He uses there, flesh, is one that we're going to talk about more as we rewind in Galatians here, but He's kind of drawing this parallel. Flesh literally kind of means skin, right? It means sarks, the word is. It's actually where we get the word sarcasm from. Uh, but he's talking about this idea that, that the flesh, this kind of stuff that we have around us, this physical realm, actually doesn't embody the, the wholeness of our life. Actually, the Spirit of God, the soul that He's put within us, and that connection point, as we talked about two weeks ago, that's where life is found. This is why I love reading the Psalms, because David and many of the other psalm writers seem to get this. In Psalm 143.6, he says, My soul thirsts for you like water in a dry and weary land. And I just think, man, if my soul would act that way, if like my soul would behave like I was thirsty, then maybe I'd be chasing life more often. If my stomach started to rumble to remind me to eat, if I had a similar spiritual pathway, a similar spiritual habit, that'd be really helpful for me instead of kind of just putting my head to the plow and going through life. These are the rhythms and sustainable practices uh, that we're talking about in this series that we will be talking about going forward. Paul continues to expand on this idea. One other verse, Romans chapter 8. You've heard this one before, but I want it to ring a little bit differently in light of this verse that we're discussing. In Romans 8.1, he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which is really good news. But the verse continues, Because through Christ Jesus, listen, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin in death. 
This is where we get this idea of, of eternity, right? That we're created for something more than, than just this time here on earth. And so when Jesus comes, he buys us our freedom. He buys us the propensity to be connected with God. And he says we're no longer slaves to the sin, the law of sin and death, right? It's those things that reap the benefits in our physical lives and spiritual lives that separate us from God. We talked about that a little bit last week. Instead, we live by a new law, the law of the Spirit, which gives life, right? This is, the, this is the message of the Christian faith. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we grow up in traditions and churches where church doesn't feel a whole lot like life-giving. Are you with me? Church kind of can feel like a duty. It can feel like drudgery. If you grew up in other faith systems, it might even feel obligatory. It might be required in order for you to believe that you're in right relationship with God. But I've got good news. In the New Testament, though, through the work of Jesus, we now live through the law of the Spirit, which gives us life. Now, that word freedom is important here in this verse because it's actually going to connect us back to Galatians chapter 5, right? That's where this verse is that we're talking about, that the Spirit gives life, so let's keep in step with the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 1, if you've still got your Bibles open there, listen to how it starts. Galatians 5, 1, Paul says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. It's for freedom that you've been set free, which may sound a bit redundant, but you've got to remember that just like us today, that there were systems and practices in place that perhaps this following Jesus thing quickly resorted into a religious behavior instead of a life-giving relationship. And so Paul's exhorting them, don't fall back into old habits. Don't fall back into law and religion and doing the right things and trying to be enough. Instead, trust that God sets you free so that you could be free, so that you could live through the life of the Spirit, which gives you the fullness of your life. What are we free from? He says we're free from the law of the sin and death. We've been given new life. We've circumvented the penalties associated with sin and death through Jesus, and we now gain the benefit of life, which too often we regulate to something that happens post-death, right? Like, yeah, we're still going to die physically, and, and once that's over, then we'll have eternal life. That's what we're talking about. But as we read through the scriptures as Paul continues to outline for us, he's not talking just about a future hope and life. He's talking about a fullness of life here and now. He's saying that the Spirit of God adds to your life in the same way that food and water and air do. It is a requirement for your life to be free in Christ Jesus. The Spirit is a big deal. He further expounds on this. Jump down with me, Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Again, no penalty from the law of sin and death. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. There's that word again. Rather serve one another humbly in love. Right? We know this phrase in America that freedom isn't free, right? It costs something. And so our freedom in Christ Jesus cost his physical life, his death on a cross for your sins and for mine. And because of that, we have this great freedom, this life from the Spirit. But Paul says, don't, don't miss the point here, right? Don't think that that means you're free to do anything and everything. You are in one sense, and in another sense, you are not. We're free from one law, the law of sin and death, but we now find ourselves wrapped up in the law of the Spirit. But the results of the 
law of sin and death is death, and the results of the, of the law of the Spirit is life. And Paul says, don't confuse those things. Don't, don't mismatch them. Don't equate them together. They are different. They have different rewards, and they have different ways of playing themselves out. So he says, don't use your freedom to become a slave again. Don't find yourself in habitual patterns of dependence on things that mirror the world in which you came from before you were raised to life in Christ. In other words, Paul says, you've got untold amounts of life and power through the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in the hearts and minds of believers. So why would we trust in anything else? He sets up this compelling case for life by the Spirit, for keeping in step with the Spirit. But he says, I'm not, I'm not naive to the fact that this doesn't just work itself out naturally. I'm aware that it takes a fair bit of work and effort to produce in our lives. Not in the sense that we have to do something, but in the sense that it takes an intentionality to live this way. One of my favorite quotes about this that I know I've shared here before, and maybe you're getting sick of it, but I just have this posted on my wall because it's something that I always want to keep in front of me. It's from C.S. Lewis, and it says, uh, he says it this way. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot conceive of what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. As I reflect on my own life, as I reflect on the rhythms and the things that perhaps bring me joy, the things that I would find myself doing, and I put it in light of the Spirit who gives life versus perhaps the desires of my flesh, the things that play themselves out, I find myself going, am I too content with just what's easy and what's available and what I can afford instead of the infinite joy that is offered to me in relationship to the Holy Spirit? Maybe you're with me on that, maybe you're not. Uh, let's see if I can illustrate it. Uh, how many of you guys uh, went on Amazon for Amazon Prime Day? A couple of you, not as many as I thought. Uh, I, Amazon Prime is how I live. I don't go to the grocery store. I just have it shipped to my house in two days. That's just how it works. Prime now in Denver, and uh, if you do slow shipping, then you get five bucks to Prime now. So if I need it quicker than two days, uh, I usually get it free, right? So I'm like addicted to Amazon Prime. Prime Day is where they offer like these incredible sales, right, to Amazon Prime members, and so everybody's on there. They're selling their gadgets at half off, all this other jazz. And um, in typical addict fashion, at one point, I think there was $1,000 worth of stuff in my cart. and, uh, and I had a check, right, because I'm, I'm going to talk to you all about this, and I'm going, I don't know that that's congruent. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that I can equate these two things. And so I ended up buying one, one thing. It was just some cords. But nonetheless, right, I, I think for me, what I see played out in my life is that far too often I rely on the things that are close and easy at hand, things that I can provide in and of myself, instead of perhaps relying on the Spirit who gives life. See, we're free to pursue and do whatever we want, but in our freedom, we can't become slaves again to the way in which we used to live. What's the answer to this problem? Paul gives us some directives, or he gave the church then some directives that we can tie into. Verse 16, Paul says, the solution is this, so I say, walk by the Spirit. 
If you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Don't miss this. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. His answer is, then let's walk by the Spirit. If we recognize that these two things are intention, then we have to do something about that in our lives. We have to find ourselves at the point where we go, okay, if I find something to do that I don't want to do or that I do want to do that's in contrast with God, I have to recognize that there's a spiritual component to that, right? When I'm shopping through Amazon Prime, it's not just a matter of the fact that it's bad financial responsibility for me to spend $1,000 on Amazon gadgets that I don't need. It's more than that. It's because there's something within me that desires something else, It's because there's something within my humanity that finds provision through buying and purchasing something at a good deal that's in conflict with the Spirit who provides life. We can take this way too far, and that's not my point. It's simply to give us an example, an expression of what it can look like. And when this battle plays out, it's our opportunity to key in, to ask questions, because the flesh and the Spirit are in conflict. So how do we know, right? How do we know? Is this my humanity? Is this my flesh? Is this something that's opposed to the work of God in my life? Maybe God wants me to have that thing. Maybe there's an infinite list of things that we can put in there, habits, relationships, uh, opportunities for joy and recreation. How do we determine what's right and what's wrong? How do we determine what's flesh and what's spirit, what gives life and what seeks to take away and steal our life? Paul continues to expand for us verse 19. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, and I just want us to stop there, because here's the problem. What follows is a list, right? It's a list of sins, and whenever we read through a list of sins, it's very easy to go, well, that's not me, right? Debauchery, ooh, that's a really ugly, strong word. I'm good there, right? There's nothing there. Idolatry, I don't even know what that, like, there's no golden calves in my office, right? So, I'm doing, I'm doing good there then, right? So, we, we read through these lists of sins, and we begin to allow ourselves excuses, and then maybe perchance we hit one like selfish ambition, which is in this list, and then we go, well, I mean, at least that's not at least that's not one of the big names, right? Like, it's just a little one. It's almost at the end. And so we begin to relativize what's in there. So I just want us to stop at the initial statement. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Is that true for you? Do you know when you're doing something wrong? My, my seven-year-old does, <laughs> right? Like, he gets it. Uh, today, there were muffins out there. My 10-year-old was supposed to, uh, my 9-year-old, he thinks he's 10. My 9-year-old was supposed to share, and he didn't. And I said, I want to I talk to you. And he comes in with his head hung, right? He comes in down, comes in defeated, because he knows he did something wrong. The acts of the flesh, the acts that are contrary to God in your life are obvious. I probably don't have to spell them out for you. If you were here last week, maybe God laid something on your heart, or even now you're going, I know that there's something in my life, in my habits, in my regular routines that I know is contrary to what the Spirit of God, the life-giving Spirit in my life wants for me. The acts of the flesh are contrary to the Spirit, and they're obvious. 
They're easy to recognize. They're easy to reconcile within ourselves and go, God's talked to me about that. The Lord has placed that on my heart. I know I need to work on that area. Now, pause there because there's no guilt or condemnation in Christ, but there is levels of freedom. There is owning up to the fact that we're still subscribing to a law of sin and death in our lives, which is producing, contrary to the Spirit, death. And God is trying to move us in a path, not to slap our wrists and to say, stop that, but to move us into a path where we can be in the flow of his life, because the Spirit gives life. This is not a, you're a bad child, here's a punishment conversation. This is a, I want to take you out to sea for a vacation conversation, but you've got to clean yourself up and get out of the mud. The acts of the flesh are obvious. We know those places within our hearts and our minds. You can probably identify a couple of them right now. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And guess what? If they're not obvious to you, the time that you spend growing in Jesus, spending time in His Word and worshiping, following after the Holy Spirit, walking alongside Him, will make those things more obvious to you as you learn to listen and lean in to Him. So don't get distracted with the list. I would just encourage you to either reflect back to last week or in the, the quietness of your own heart now to own perhaps those places where you're going, I know that this is in conflict with the Spirit. I know this is something that I've been working on, that I need to work on, that I'd like to see more life-giving presence in my life and less death, less sin, less guilt. Own that pieces. But there's, here's the good news is that the Holy Spirit gives life. He doesn't give condemnation and guilt. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is love and joy. It's peace. It's forbearance. I learned that patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Listen, against such things there is no law, which he's reflecting back to this law of sin and death. He's saying, look, the acts of the flesh, the things that are in conflict between you and God are obvious. Yes, we need to address them. Yes, they're a problem. They are producing in us death. And what we want by our own admonition in Jesus Christ is life and life to the full. And he says, if you want to know how to give life, then guess what? The Holy Spirit will produce that fruit within you. So let's go back to our weekly rhythms and habits. Let's go back into those areas where we live and work and exist. How do we know what to do in order to keep in step with the Holy Spirit? Find the fruit, right? Find the place where those things are growing. Cultivate fruits of God's Spirit working in your life. Where do you find love blossoming? Where do you find holy, pure, spiritual content love? Love for people who are hurting and far from God. Love for people who need to know that there's a Savior out there who cares about them. Where do you find joy? Not happiness, not contentment, not a, sad, a momentary satisfaction. Where do you find places and rhythms of rest and joy in your life? Fan the flames where God's Spirit is working. How about peace? Where are the areas and avenues in your life where you find peace? Hard to find that in the hour commute across Denver, is it not? Hard to be stuck in traffic and cultivate rhythms of peace and joy and love. Might help you with patience, though. 
right? So God's Spirit can use all of these things, but the point is, are we focused on cultivating the fruit? Because too often the, the bad memo that we get about church is that all we care about is the sin, right? We just want to go through that list and start scrubbing and clean all that stuff up, and it's true, we do, but not because it's, not because it's full of condemnation, but it's because Jesus and the Holy Spirit have more life for you than what those things offer. But instead, where we need to turn our attention and focus to is where is the fruit growing in our lives? Where are the places where we see the Holy Spirit work? Because the fruit of the Spirit is where the Holy Spirit is present and working in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is where the Holy Spirit is present and working in your life. So do things, do actions, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, in keeping with this new law of life and law of the Spirit, and stop doing the things that don't, right? Are the things in your life, the habits, the rhythms, the the things that you do day in and day out, are they producing fruit or are they producing something different? Because the Spirit wants to give you life and life in abundance, So, finishing up, Galatians 24 says, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh along with its passions and desires. Since then we live by the Spirit. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, so let's walk by the Spirit, he says in verse 16. And now we get to the end. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. What does this mean? This means that the Spirit is moving. He's not stationary. He's always changing. He's always advancing. He's always working somewhere up in the forefront. And it's our job. It's our responsibility. It's our privilege to go, where's the Holy Spirit bringing about the kingdom of God here and now? And how can I go there and partner with it? This is why we worship. I know some of you love worship. I know some of you are like, let's fast forward through the songs, whatever it is for you. But, but this is the piece of our life where we orient ourselves to the work and the movement of God as a collective body together and go, okay, where's the Spirit moving in and amongst our midst? What are the things this last week that I need to lay at the altar as we sung about? Where are the things that God wants to speak and breathe life into? What are the conversations that we get to have. This is why we come together and gather and worship, because God, the Holy Spirit, is living and active in your life. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the Word of God is alive and active. And to our 20th century ears, we go, oh, Word of God, that's the Bible. That's not what Paul would have been referring to, or the author of Hebrews, whoever that might have been. He's going, no, the, the working of God, the Word of God comes through the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is alive and active. It's moving and shaking. It's advancing. It's moving in power. It's not just a matter of talk. The Holy Spirit is alive and active, and He wants to speak directly to you with where your life is at. He doesn't just want to use me to speak to you about what He's doing in your life. He wants you to be tuned in to get life from the workings that He's doing in and around you. The best picture that we have of this is, of course, found in Jesus. And you may remember we've talked about this when he promises the Holy Spirit that he uses some of this language. I just want to read this to us quick. This is John 14, verse 10. Jesus says, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That sounds a whole lot like power and not talk. And I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. He then goes on to promise that the Holy Spirit will come and that when the Holy Spirit comes that we'll recognize that the truth of the Spirit is played out in and through our lives. Colossians 1.15 maybe says it more succinctly and we could have just said it this way, that the Son is the image of the invisible God. So in other words, where the Spirit is living and active, let's do what Jesus did. Let's find ourselves in similar veins and rhythms as He keeps in step with the Father, so we keep in step with the Spirit. Where there's fruit, that's then where we need to be moving. As we close today, I just want to encourage you to take your worship folder. I don't know if you've got room or if there's room on the back. I just want you to draw a line down the middle. I want you to make two columns uh, on your worship bulletin. Y'all are looking at me funny. Take out your worship bulletin. Put a pen up. I want you to write on one half of the column the word start, and on the other side of the column, I want you to write the word stop. The acts of the flesh are obvious. You know them. What do you need to stop? I dare you to write something down. I dare you to have a hard conversation with a spouse, with a friend. I dare you, write down what do you need to stop because the working and the acts of the flesh are obvious. And here's the scary part. Galatians 6.24, right before this, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have we done that? Have you done that? Not on Prime Day, obviously, right? Like I had stuff to do. That's funny. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate that. What do you need to stop doing? The acts of the flesh are obvious in your life, and they're in conflict with what God wants to do in your life. What do you need to stop doing? Second, start. What do you need to start doing? Where is the working and the attitude and the power of God? Where is the Holy Spirit alive and active? Where are you seeing fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Where are those things happening in your life? And you're going, I just need to lean in there. I need to spend more time doing these things. I need to stop bad habits. I need to stop things that I know are causing conflict, that I know are causing harm in my marriage. They're causing harm with my kids. They're causing harm in my relationships at work. They're causing harm in my bank account. Whatever it is, there are some things that I know I'm not in line. I need to stop doing a couple things. But don't just stop. You've got to put something good in its place. So where is there love? Where is there joy? Where are you finding peace? Where are you finding perspective? And fan the flames of God's work in your life. Identify where he's moving and then come alongside. Because we live by the Spirit. And since we live by the Spirit who is living and active, we've got to keep in step with the Spirit. Which means we've got some things to stop doing and some things to start doing. Would you pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, God, I just ask that your spirit would be present in this moment, that you would speak to your children, to your church, that you would lay something on our hearts, either collectively or individually, that we go, I know, I know what I need to write down. Would you give us the boldness and the courage to listen to your spirit, to take the offer of life and life everlasting, of fullness of life in everything? Would you give us the bravery and the courage to lay down some things that are actually producing death within us, but we enjoy them or they feel like a shadow of life or we're just afraid what would happen if we actually had that conversation or actually laid them down. And God, would you give us something so much better? God, would you give us your spirit? Would you give us the working of God, the kingdom of God here and now? Would you give us love for your people? Would you give us joy? Would you give us that entire list of fruits of the Spirit that they would grow on the tree of our life and that they would yield an abundant harvest? Heavenly Father, we believe that you are alive and active, that you have work to do in Aurora and Denver and Centennial, Colorado, God, and we know that you've asked us to be a part of that. So help us to see where your Spirit is moving and to come alongside in that endeavor. Give us the courage within our personal life to make the changes that we need to make and help us now as we yield the rest of our week to pursuing your spirit which gives us life. Heavenly Father, we ask all these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus and in the power and the presence of the transforming Holy Spirit that is in and among and through us. And all God's kids agreed together and said... Thank you.